But I tell you what, you know what's weird? Living day by day and nothing changes. And pretty soon, everything's different. Bill Watterson said that. Doing the same thing over and over and again and expecting a different result, that's the definition of stupidity. Changing to change to be better than is more efficient, right? Is easier. That is truly weird. Meaning the way we do things, and if we always do the same thing over and over and over again, we never see different results. That is kind of redundant. Life is about change. Life is about doing something different. Life is about being weird. When I was growing up, long, long time ago, although there are many people in this room that's probably not that long time ago, no one wanted to be weird. Weird was one of those words that we threw around and called different kids when they did something a little bit strange. But no one wanted to be weird. I suppose in relatively it's still still true today. No one wants to be weird. No one wants to be called weird. No one wants to be weird because weird is different. No one wants to be different. Although we, we admire those who stand out. And in today's society, it's, it's, it puzzles me that so many people will dress exactly the same, but they will call it being individuals. And, and there are people who will dress obscenely in certain ways in order to grab attention, but then get upset when they grab their wrong attention. See, we like when life is normal, or what we call normal, and we struggle when we don't think our life is normal. We are trying to fit in and to be referred to as normal. But my question to you is, what is normal? My kids often, some, well not often, have in the past come home and said things like, oh, this person called me this person or this, this name and they called me weird or I'm not normal. I want to be normal. Why do you want to be normal? Why do you want to fit in? Why do you want to be seen as what everyone else is? Looking back on my life, and sometimes, you know, when you, we've, you've had a bit of it, and you look back and you reflect, hope, hopefully in the positive, you can start to bring down what, is, what you can see as what was in your life as your goal. And sometimes in my life I found that, especially when I was a little fella, and then getting older, that desire to fit in became Huge. Dressing like everyone else. You know when the fashion changes and then you start begging mum, I want to shop, I want to go and change, I need this. You don't want to know some of the fashion that I grew up with. It was odd. But you go through those cycles of changing and you, fashion has a way of always coming around. So if you kept your bell bottoms in a few years time, they might be popular again. But dressing like everyone, speaking like everyone else, using the same words, that was normal. People wanted to be normal. Yet they had no idea what really what they were asking for. Today we want to fit in. We try and do the same thing to fit in. It's like zebras. I don't know if you know much about zebras. I'm fascinated by them. 
they make the weirdest sound. Have you ever heard a zebra? I don't know. Have you guys heard zebras? Yeah. I'm not, gonna ev- I'm not even going to replicate it because it's, it's unique. Oh, no. <laughs> but if I have some South African friends who want to make the sound... <laughs> I mean, you look at a zebra, right? I mean, they're black and white striped. There is no possible logic why they are black and white striped. If I, I've seen them. You can actually see them in Australia. I've seen them down in Melbourne um, and there's a zoo in New South Wales. But we do actually have them in Brisbane now at uh, Steve Irwin's zoo, Australia Zoo. And if you see them in a small group, it doesn't make sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. Why would you put a black and white animal in the savannas of Africa, which is normally like a brown with light greens and, and whatnot, especially in the wet season where it's bright green and flowers and all the bits and pieces. But why would you put an animal that's black and white in the the savannah that is just brown? Yet, did you know that no two zebras, their stripes are completely different? It's like your fingerprint. I don't know who on earth worked that out. Who sat there and worked that out on every single zebra or even your fingerprint to actually make that claim. But no two zebras are the same. But you put a whole bunch of zebras together and they blend. It's a defense mechanism and so that's when lions and predators come up, they can't tell where one begins and when one ends. And then of course when they're all moving in the same direction, it just looks odd. But God made zebras that way. Black and white in the backgrounds of Africa that make no real sense that match, but totally stand out, weird. See, what society is calling normal is beginning to concern me. Oftentimes, we don't understand the long-term effects of some of our choices, and we make choices based on moments, moments of pleasure, moments of enjoyment, moments of emotions, And in the last few years, we have seen laws changed in this country regarding some terrible things, abortion and euthanasia, decisions based on moments in time and yet no understanding of the long-term damage. Now, I don't know how you stand on those things, but I am totally and utterly against both. Social situations regarding wokeism Left liberalism is, is dangerous. They're seen and they're created on emotions on a moment in time, yet they have no consciousness of the long-term effects within society. There is a reason why when God created humanity, he created the principles around humanity in order to protect us. What we cannot control, we legalize or we normalize. And rather than bringing in correction and changing things, we deem it as normal. And when we remove the boundaries from the beast, what happens? Chaos. It's like taking a lion. Now, have you ever seen, I've seen a lion, not in proper African ones and definitely not in northern African ones. I found that out there was a difference. Yeah, the northern African ones are, are much bigger and they're the darker Mains. But I've seen a lion 
And then it was, I was very thankful that there was a cage between us. But there's importance of understanding the boundaries. So when you release a lion and he's hungry, he is going to find something to eat. Well, unless he gets his missus to find it. Because boundaries are important. Boundaries have a benefit to society greater than what we can sometimes understand. And it's important to understand that when God sets boundaries, when he sets principles in place, that those restraints may not feel necessarily comfortable at those point in times when we want to extend the boundaries, but there is beneficial long-term. What if we, society, trusted those principles that God put in place and lived by them? How much different would the world be? What about if we respected each other all the time, at all levels, and we honoured each other? What about if we valued life and we helped each other? The difference the world would be would be huge. Weird is setting and living by those boundaries. Weird is setting a pathway that leads to a direction that you want to go and you don't step off that path. It's like the yellow brick road. And we all know what happened to Dorothy when she stepped off the yellow brick road. She got herself into trouble. See, weird is deciding that God's ways are better than our choices and that our choices should be in line with his ways. Weird is establishing morality and living by it. And when you fully understand the life of Jesus, it was anything but normal. Jesus taught anything but normal. In fact, what he taught was so revolutionized, revolutionizing what was happening in the day frames, they wanted to kill him. He was stirring the pot of normality. It's what caused or caused those to turn on him and want to crucify him. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, how much do you have to stir the pot in someone's life before they want to turn around and crucify you on a cross? I mean, they literally hated him. They hated him to the point that they crucified him. Centuries of humanity legalizing sin, corrupting the laws of Moses, caused a kairos moment, so that is a appointed time that God chose to move. It wasn't, I'll wait till it gets this bad. It was an appointed time by God that God decided to move, bring his son in, and change things up. God sent his son to bring correction in society, correction in the way people were relating to God, correction in the way God was connecting to his people. Society had determined what was normal, and God needed to change it. God sent his son to rock up and to shift it. He pushed the reset button, bringing in the alignment of what God wanted. Jesus, his teachings, they were weird. Because it wasn't normal. And what a stirring took place that the religious leaders wanted to kill the incarnated Christ, God in his flesh was very deity 
yet said they were exactly who they were serving is the one that they wanted to kill. And when you start looking at it and start understanding what was happening, you begin to understand that man doesn't like to be told they're doing the wrong thing when it benefits themselves. And that was the problem. Society had shifted in such a way that the religious leaders and all the leaders and the politicians or whoever you want to call it were benefiting from society. And God was like, that is not the way that I called things into being. That is not the purpose of the law of Moses. That is not the purpose of any of it. It is all about relationship with me. And Jesus, who represented God, Jesus and the Father were one. So it was like God himself showing up, basically telling the religious leaders through love, the cultural leaders of the day, the leaders of the political realm, you have missed the point. And of course, pride set in. Now, pride is a dangerous thing. And when pride sits in, you can't hear reason. Your heart hardens, your ears close, and you only see your own agenda. I don't know if you've ever spoken to a young child who has made up their mind and is very strong-willed and has got their own agenda at play and I know what's best. You probably not because you guys have all got perfect kids. But I have a child that sometimes can step into that. Well, he used to anyway. And he was stubborn like his... No, I won't say that. Um, he was extremely stubborn. He'd made up his mind dead set, thought he was correct. His heart is hardened. His ears are closed and trying to shift him is extremely difficult. And all he's looking at and all those people are looking at is what are they losing? This is the way we've always... You ever heard that line? But this is the way we've always done it. If you fit into that category, you're in trouble. And they killed a man just because of what he taught. See, it's normal to hate your enemies. Well, that's what the world says, right? Yet Jesus said to love them. It was normal to seek revenge on those who hurt you. Yet Jesus taught to be kind and forgive. If someone hits you, it's normal to hit them back, right? Yet Jesus said, turn the other cheek. It's so variously different to everything we have learnt on the playground. It's just weird. Jesus told us to pray for those who persecute us. Oh man, that's weird. And if you want to find your life, you know what? You need to lose it. Weird. And if you want to increase your wealth, give it away. Weirder. Because the kingdom or the kingdom of God is almost completely opposite than the way the world works. That's why it's such a struggle for the world to understand who's actually in charge. Because we like to normalize the word, but the word is anything but normal. It's weird. Jesus taught in Matthew seven thirteen to 14, he says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter it through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Whenever I've read those, and I love, I love Matthew chapter 7. Whenever I've read those red letters, they struck a chord with me. Enter through the narrow gate. I don't know if you've ever walked to someone's place and you enter through a little gate to the front. We don't have that so much anymore. But back in the days when I was a kid, everyone had gates on their front. And you would open up the little gate and walk through the yard. And if you didn't close it, the dog would get out. 
but she would close the gate afterwards. And then you'd walk on the path to the front door because it's a narrow pathway that leads to life and a broad path that leads to destruction. And what separates the two are boundaries. And the funny thing is there is more freedom with stronger boundaries. Freedom is the ability to make choices. Freedom is when you're free from worry, free from concern, free from anxiety. And that comes when you walk on the narrow path. My kids are free to do more things when they've done the right things. When they keep doing the wrong things, they begin to break down the trust and we have to bring in the boundaries and reset them into the right path. But freedom is when we actually get the freedom to do certain things because we have done the right things. Freedom is the ability to make choices. And the narrow way always leads to life. Now that word life is actually the Greek word that says Zoe. And it's actually classified, or how you interpret it is, life as God knows it. Life as God knows it. Now I can't even fully grasp the concept of that fullness of that word. Life as God knows it. The narrow way leads to life as God knows it. See, where fear doesn't live, there's no worry, there's no hate, and there's no anxiety. We get this wrong concept thinking that freedom is, I, when I have freedom, I have the ability to make my own choices regardless of what they want, and I can do whatever I want. But freedom is actually being able to make the right choices and be free from the consequences of the wrong ones. Because when I'm walking on the narrow way with God, according to His Word, I'm free from worry. I'm free from concerns. I'm free from anxiety. Because I know I am right with God. I know that God has me in the palm of His hands. I know that God has blessed me. I know that God is with me no matter what I go through. That's freedom. I'm free from sin. I'm free from the consequences of it all. And few find the way to life. Many find their way to destruction. And unless we can humble ourselves, we cannot remain open to the leading of the Holy Spirit to actually get onto the right path. Because if you want to follow the world's ways, if you want to do what the world does, it's not going to lead to that Zoe life. God is weird, according to the world's concerns. Normal in society is leading to the wide road and weird is on the narrow path. One of the greatest dangers in life is self-deception. When we become or when we remove the boundaries in life, we begin to walk this road and we might think we have more freedom, but we don't. Self-deception is believing what we're doing is the right way even when it's not. And we are completely sold out to that. I am fa- I'm gobsmacked sometimes. I've had conversations with people. I've had conversation with my aunt and my cousin. And she's an atheist. And they argue about this book. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Find every excuse why not to follow it. But a book that's the most printed book that has ever existed on this earth, that is, many people have tried to take it out. 
over the centuries. Many people have tried to prove it wrong. Many people have studied it and turned to it. But I can tell you that having boundaries, having something that I can live my life according to, having principles in my life that I can put into my life so I know where I am going and how I am getting there, has given me such a great freedom to my life. See, I, and look, no one's perfect, right? I have tried to endow, to live by the principles of God's word. And when I read his word and I find something that I need to adjust and change, because this has actually become my measuring stick. I measure my life up against the word of God to find out if I measure up to what God has for me. I don't use, oh yeah, I'm there, I'm close enough. Good enough is near enough, right? I don't judge myself according to the world standards. I am judging myself or I'm uh, reviewing my life according to God's principles, his word. Because when I follow this, when I apply his word to my life, I am free. Because what Jesus came was actually to set the captives free and to bring liberty to all those who believed. And to set the captives free is to take off the bondage of sin in this world. And to set the captives free is so you can walk in the fullness of what he has for us. But you've got to live by it. We don't get to choose the principles of God that we want to apply. It's not like, I'll take 1, 3, 7 and 9 and I'll leave the rest. And the only way to understand his principles and actually apply them to your life is to actually begin to get to know the God of the Word. See, it's one thing to know the Word of God. It's another thing to know the God of the Word. Now, that comes with a journey of life. It comes with a lot of heartache as well. But it comes with the consciousness of understanding that I need to read this and apply it because how can I apply something I've never actually read? How can I live by something that I don't actually am washing myself with? I'm living by his standards, not my own. Because if I live by the world's standards or my own standards, then I'm going to fall short. But I live by his standards, by his grace, helping me to actually live by his standard. I'm walking in his ways closer to him. I'm building the relationship because I need the relationship in order to live by those principles. And I'm actually getting closer to him. That's why the word of God says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Because the more you put in that, put of the word of God in your life, the closer I'm actually getting to the character of God. But I need to be willing to separate myself from the crowd. Separate myself from what I think is normal. Do what Jesus did and be weird. Perhaps it's time to abandon the wide normal path for the unknown. The wonderful weirdness that is the narrow way. The narrow, sorry, the broad way goes soft on parenting. He complains when their children are out of control with no boundaries and no future. Sounds like the Queensland government or the Australian government. See, they've gone soft on parenting. 
For decades, we've been taught you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, this is wrong, you have to do this. Actually, we were, we were, on the, we were on in the car listening to uh, the radio because technology was having fun at the moment with us. And we were listening to this conversation of this, per, this parenting guru. And he said something, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that is just crazy. And I won't go into it because I can't remember everything. I, would, I just It was just insane. It was not asking, yourself child, uh, not asking your children questions that gives them an opportunity to lie to. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me, right? It's a choice. See, when we go soft on certain things, there are consequences later down the track. Like we have a major pandemic, well not major pandemic, but we have a major issue with our youth, not you guys, you guys are awesome, in our youth in Queensland. And the crime rate of the youth thing is just going insane. And when you look at what's happening is the police will pick them up, they'll take them to the watch house, they'll go before the judge and they're out with a slap on the wrist. I why don't you just give them $100 and give them your keys to your car as well? Without boundaries, how do we know which way to walk? How do we know how to walk on that narrow way? Those boundaries are important. My kids know what boundaries are. They also understand what freedom is. And when freedom is taken advantage, boundaries are withdrawn or they're pulled in. See, it's normal to go into debt so deep that you can't see the way out. I mean, our government should have a motto. This is what I honestly think it should be. The Labor government borrowing money to get their way out of debt. It's what the US government are doing. They've taken the restraints of debt. They, have, they are now legalising to be able to print money. The only problem they have is no one wants to buy their bonds. And you know the stupid thing is? The origins of paper money, it has, it's worthless. People would trade in silver and gold and eventually it got to the point that it was going to take too much silver and gold to carry around. So they would write bills, I owe you this amount of money. And then they would bring the money to them in silver and gold. That's how money came about. But it's normal to go into so much debt to have what you want that you can't get your way out. There are people as young as 24, they're in a $100,000 debt and they don't have a house. It's normal. There are people who have so much debt according to afterpay, it, it's not right. I mean, the US, this is when I wrote, when I wrote this message, the US was in like $32 trillion of debt. Right? And they wanted to lift the debt ceiling. They just got approval to do that, which is just insane. They have so much debt. Now, when they were $7 trillion worth of debt, they had declared that they had so much debt that they would never pay their way out of it. Now they're in $32 trillion of debt, and that's okay. It's expensive to be normal. Because you're going to need lots of credit cards. You're going to need lots of buy now, pay later accounts. You'll have stuff, but you won't own any of it because that's normal. 
Normal relationships require little and provide less these days. There's no commitment to them. The truth is a relationship will cost you. The terms more progressive, more liberal are connected to what is deemed as normal. I don't want any of it. Yet normal carries a price. Normal carries the price of guilt and shame and confession, con- uh, confusion, sorry, remorse, disease, addiction, unwanted children, divorce, depression, anxiety. That's what normal carries with it. Normal can affect your faith. Normal is lukewarm Christianity, self-centered spiritual consumerism and shallow me-driven faith. We can use God for a means to the end like a genie in a bottle and get annoyed when he doesn't work the way we want. Sometimes the church can claim to know God, yet their actions are that very far from it. This is normal and normal is not working. Too many walk on that wide, easy road called normal and less take the narrow path that is weird. And instead of living a life miles from where God designed you, we can leave meaningful relationships, intentions, scheduling, and deep, fulfilling, purposeful lives. And instead of chasing the normal of constant financial fear, intention, stress, overwhelmed, exhaust, anxious lives, we can find our purpose and our hope in Him. See, we've got to let God's word lead you along the path or let God's word lead us along the path that brings us to a place of peace. Instead of allowing your marriage to drift, you can experience the blessings of the true intimacy with your spouse today. And when your kids walk directionally purposeful and generational, there is a greater blessing upon your lineage. God wants you to know him and not consider him as a cosmic sugar daddy there to bail you out when you need him. But it's a deep, meaningful relationship that he can have with you and he can be your father. And for anyone who's in this room who has come from a father's home, that's awesome. We don't have to settle for normal again. We can seek the God that is of the weird and receive all the blessings that he have just by putting his principles in place. Just by honoring him. Just by saying, I don't want what is normal anymore. When Mel and I got married, it's a while ago now, actually coming up to our anniversary. Better not forget that one. I remember having conversation with her and desiring to build something in our life that went beyond us. And over the last, I think we're, I don't remember how many years it is now. Over the many, how many years it is, that conversation has been reiterated. We want to build something that goes beyond us. We want something more than what we've just had, what we've seen. We don't want normal, we want the weird. I want all the weirdness that God has. I want to be called weird. I don't want to stand out. I don't want to be uh, fit into what everyone else is doing. I want to be weird. I want to be weird in such a way that people know 
there's something different about God. I want to be so weird that people ask me, what is it about you? What is it that you carry? What, what's going on? I want to be so weird that our ways of doing things are just so different it doesn't make sense. I want to be so weird that my kids follow after us and do better than they've ever imagined, like go better than I did. Do better and go further than what I can. I want to be so weird I become so infectious that other people around me become weird. And that word weird is just a common phrase. There is an invitation by God. It says, enter in the narrow way. Go the narrow way that leads to life. Follow his principles. Live by his word. And when you fall and you, f- you make a mistake, get back up and keep going. Live according to his word. Invite him into your being. Listen to his voice. Live by his principles. Do well. Live with freedom. Not bound by boundaries, but you can have the freedom in the boundaries. Freedom from all the thoughts that you shouldn't have. Freedom from anxiety. Freedom from fears. Freedom from worries and concerns. I met with my surgeon this week on Thursday. And I got approval. I am not booked in. I don't have a date yet. But I'm on the waiting list for my next surgery. Uh, And I will be giving warnings to people because it is a little bit different. It's going to be weird. No, I'm not putting one of my legs on my... No, it's nothing like that. I'm having my arm amputated. I've come to that point uh, for a long time and it's more beneficial for me. And I've had to, not convince, but discuss with my surgeons to get to that point. And they finally gave me approval and they said, okay, we can do that. Of course, you had to reiterate the fact that we could just do the mid-forearm. If you go where you want to go, which is in the humerus, which is just above the elbow, you can't go back. And I'm like, I understand that. So and the reason why I tell you is because most of you had little kids. And so you might need to explain to them when I turn up and I don't have my arm anymore. But it's a point that I've come to and I understand that, you know what, God can heal me anytime he wants. And even if I remove my arm, God can still heal me. God can still grow the arm back. I'm not bound by God's, God being in a box. God can do whatever he needs to do. But I live according to his word. And regardless of what I go through, what I face, I know he is always with me. He never leaves me, never forsakes me. And there is always a plan in everything that takes place. And God can take something that is the most horrendous thing that you've ever experienced in your life and turn it around for his good when we allow him to. My greatest testimony will not be that God did this or he did that. It's just that he was always with me, that I never left him. That no matter what I took, took place in my life, I always said, God is good. That is going to be my greatest testimony. And it's what I'm going to instill in my children, that no matter what you go through in life, God is always good. Because the freedom that I walk in, even though I am bound by his principles, is that I don't have to worry, I don't have concern, I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. Like when I depart this earth, I get to be in glory with him. And everything that happens in my life, and this is, is just a dressing room for that, 
And everything that takes place in this life, if I can follow his principles and I can be weird, I can collect other people to be weird with me and we get to go. And the more people that see weird as a good thing, we all get to go. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to be the pot stirrer. I'm not going to push your buttons, but I'm going to stir the pot of normality and say this is not right. It's our plan to be a major influence within this region. That's our plan. And we're already doing that. Not by our ability, but by God's grace. And I know sometimes the hardships of life can seem unfair. They can seem hard. It doesn't make sense. But I know that God can take something that's so horrendous and when it's released into his hands, he can mold it into something that's so beautiful and so wonderful that it has an impact that other people receive his love from. What Jesus did was revolutionize the whole way of doing relationship. He took 12 people that were discarded. Like these 12 people that became his disciples, no one wanted they're called unschooled, untrained men from Galilee, and nothing good comes out of Galilee. I mean, most of them were fishermen, and if you don't know much about fishermen, fishermen stink. They don't have the shower and the, uh, the hygiene policies that we have in today's society. They stinketh all the time. And God took 12 men and changed the known world just because they wouldn't settle. And there were trials and tribulations they went through. I mean, if you look at the life of Peter, Peter fell down so many times, it's not funny. One moment he's saying, you're the Christ, the living king. And next moment, Jesus is saying, get behind me, Satan. But in the end, after the day of Pentecost, on his first message, he preached and 3,000 were saved. Jesus brought in a weird system that was like, un, like nothing else you've ever experienced. He took those who were just down and out. Those who had lives that no one wanted to touch, no one wanted to use. And he said, I'll use you. Come, be, let's be fishers of men and I'll teach you how to catch. That's weird. That's what God does. And sometimes we just got to get over ourselves. Oh, you don't know what I've been through. Yeah, but you don't understand what he did. Because what he did was he broke the curse of everything we did. Jesus' blood paid the price so that we could know him. And that's weird. Because in the history of mankind, in the history of mankind, no other deity ever died for their people. No other, no other deity. And the greatest act of any person could ever do was to lay their life down for someone else. That's weird. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you Lord and Savior, you're far from Him, you need to get back to Him, you need to make that connection, then I'm going to invite you to come down the front with me. I'll be down here at the end. You come and lay, say hello and we get to connect with each other. I'll lead you in a prayer and then we get to walk this out. But I know God is stirring. I know God is stirring. He, he's a, he's, he loves to stir the pot. He stirs in your heart. And there are so many people here that I know that God is stirring. God wants more of you.
God wants a deeper relationship. And it starts, just give me a little bit of time. Pray his word. Read his word, pray. Give him some time. And it doesn't have to be elaborate. And it's not necessarily exactly what you say, but who you say it to that actually becomes important. We're going to pray. We're going to close the meeting. If you want prayer, I'll be down the front. There's morning tea. There's light lunch over there in the, in the catch, you know, kitchen. Remember to sign out your children now that we have Kids Church back on. If you want to get involved, we're here. We'd love to get you involved in the church, the life of the church. There's lots of stuff happening. But we're going to pray. We're going to close the meeting. And you're welcome to, to do whatever you need to do. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is not a source of constricting, but it is a source of freedom. Father, I thank you every person here, and I speak your mighty hand upon every single person, every single one of us. Father, I speak life upon them, that words that we life, that we'd be able to walk the narrow path according to your ways, according to your word, not in fear, but in full freedom. So, Father, I speak your anointing that breaks the yoke, that breaks the boundaries, that breaks those who look and breaks that which is shackling us. And, Father, I speak life, 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 life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen.